Hey guys, Gordon here. I just want to take a second and thank you for downloading our episode, listening to our episodes, sharing our episodes, tagging us on social media and helping us grow our mission. It means everything to me. And from here uh, to continue growing where we're at, please consider throwing us a small donation just to help grow the mission, support the team, support the infrastructure and continue to build the Permafit name. Thank you all so much. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. What is up, guys, and welcome to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. My name is Gordon, and this is episode 29, and this one is going to be all about protein, why protein is so important, uh, what happens in your body after you ingest dietary protein, how does it actually help build your muscles and repair your muscles, and uh, we're going to get into things from like the dietary side, but also the cellular piece of it and how amino acids are part of the whole thing. And uh, I'm going to try to do this in a way that isn't like a lecture from a biology course or from a nutrition course. So I'm going to keep it kind of high level. But I want to take a few deep dives into certain parts of this because I think it's important that everyone understands just what happens in your body when you ingest protein and why it's important. And the reason I'm even doing this podcast, besides... The fact that I think people need to be educated on that part that I just said. But I also want to sort of try to break down this illusion from an outsider's perspective that like bodybuilders and powerlifters and people who are really into fitness, they consume a lot of protein, right? But there's this outside perspective that all the people in that space are meatheads and that they just they like to eat protein because they think that that's the magic pill and stuff like that. No. I mean, yeah, there's a few of them, I guess, but in general, no, that's not the case. And just because you might go buy a protein bar because that actually is a good idea compared to something like McDonald's, uh, you will inevitably, no matter what, no matter what, you will inevitably get some weird looks and some flack from certain people because they think you're buying a protein bar because you think that you need that in order to build muscle. And all of this, like, it, it, there's just weird negative connotations that come with it. And uh, if you are in the bodybuilding or powerlifting or fitness space at all, then you already probably have gotten some of that. So if you're taking shakes or you're taking, you're eating protein bars or you're concerned at all about the amount of protein you're taking in, in which, by the way, you should be, you will inevitably get some flack from some people. And those people are usually people who are not really in shape or don't take fitness seriously or don't understand it. And they just headline read and listen to other people who are not in shape or other people who are not in fitness and they have generated this persona uh, internally that they're better off eating other things rather than protein and that people who eat a lot of protein are doing it because they think they need to not because they actually need to so anyway I just want to bring some education to you guys about protein and why it's important because it is and uh, you know what happens in your body when you consume it and how much you should be consuming depending on what your goals are but uh, if you are new to the podcast I do invite you to go back and listen to the first couple episodes episode zero is our intro kickoff episode and you'll find out more about me specifically and what the strength of body and mind podcast and so bam gear company are all about uh, in general 
It's about mind-body connection, wellness, and strengthening that mind-body connection to build confidence, positive thinking, drive, inspiration uh, that is driven internally, and motivation that is driven internally, and creating a cycle that allows us to be the most fit we can be, but also the most happy as people that we can be and also the most confident and overall live our best lives. So that that's really the the premise of the entire thing. But uh, all right, so let's jump right in why protein is so important. And we're also going to talk about the difference between various protein sources. Okay. Um, so obviously, we know protein is important. I've said it 100 times already. Uh, it's a macronutrient. We've talked about that before. So from a, ma- a macronutritional standpoint, one gram of dietary protein has four calories, roughly, and it's a macronutrient, meaning we have to consume it in larger quantities than things like vitamin C or iron, right? So it's something we need usually a, a good amount of, along with fats and carbs. We need, uh, you know, if you're an adult, you, you're going to probably want um, almost your body weight in grams of protein, depending on what your goals are. Uh, some people would definitely argue with that. I don't think anyone in the nutrition fitness space would argue to eat less than half a gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you're if you're working out at all, I would never advise anybody to consume less than half of a gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, I don't think there's ever a situation where you should eat less than 100 per day on a consistent basis. Um and if you, you know, on the flip side of that, if you're working out, I don't think you really need more than like at most 1.5 grams per pound of body weight. So if you're eating, uh, if you're, if you weigh 200 pounds and you're an adult man and you train a lot, I don't really see a reason why you should eat more than 300 grams. Um, now it also depends on your source, your protein sources. Like I said earlier, they're, they're different and the, the body will break down different protein sources differently and use them at different levels of efficiency. We'll talk about that later on as well. But in general, just keep that range in mind. And I don't think any dietitian or any nutritionist or any trainer or any coach would advise outside of those upper and lower limits that I just kind of threw out there. Um, At least I've never come across anyone who would recommend that. And I haven't found that in any of my research. Um, So I've been in the space a long time. And uh, those just seem to be the numbers that work. And then if you meet in the middle at one gram per pound of body weight, that seems to be the norm. It seems to be what most people recommend. And that seems to be honestly what most people have success with. Okay, that's the big takeaway. Forget all the science and forget like the textbook stuff and what a nutritionist thinks and what a dietitian thinks and all that. Just look at the people who have had success. Okay, I've had success with one gram per pound of body weight. A lot of people I know have had success with one gram per pound of body weight. It's a good starting point. You may operate better at less. You may operate better at more, but that's a great starting point, and a lot of people have success with that number. So um, anyway, so what specifically is it about protein that allows us to build bigger muscles? And this is something that it really bothered me for a long time. I didn't fully understand it. I knew I needed to eat protein or consume it right? Protein shakes, chicken, steak, whatever, eggs. I knew I needed to take it in, but I didn't really understand what happened in my body after I consumed it. And then as I realized that I didn't really know what was going on, 
I started asking around and <laughs> most people I know, most even trainers, they didn't really know what happened in the body once you eat protein. They just know you need to eat it. Uh, same with carbs, same with fat. And so I wanted to take the, 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 the approach of learning more of the scientific side of it. So what exactly happens in the body when you consume protein? Um, you know, it's, it's important to know not just what it does, but, but how it does what it does, uh, which is what we're going to talk about here. And, you know, I don't, again, I, because a lot of people don't fully understand it, but they still, they still recommend that you eat a certain number. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but just understand that, you know, just because someone recommends a number, because it worked for them, that doesn't necessarily they un, uh, mean that they understand how it works and why it works, you know, at, at a deep level. So just keep that in mind. And if you are working with a trainer or a coach and they do recommend that you eat something, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I recommend that you ask them why and not just take whatever they say as gospel because it's always important that you understand your source of information. So, you know, take it from somebody who has spent time researching it, right? And, and maybe your trainer or your coach is well-educated and understands the human body very well and understands exactly what happens in your body when you consume certain things and how they get broken down and how they get utilized. And that's, that's ideally what you want. But anyway, that's, that's just me saying check your sources. So one more time, um, macronutritionally speaking, a gram of protein, a gram of dietary protein is about four calories and it is a macronutrient. So it's one that we need an abundance of. Now, chemically, protein is made up of amino acids, right? That's something we've talked about a little bit in the past, not a whole lot. Uh, amino acids, and we're going to have a whole episode on these, but amino acids are uh, they're organic compounds, okay? They're made up of carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, or sulfur, right? So a combination of those. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, the, the best way to think of it is amino acids are the building blocks of protein, okay? So amino acids stacked together in certain configurations, are the, they basically make up protein. And protein, in a similar fashion, is what makes up Muscle mass. They're the building blocks of muscle mass, essentially. Uh, it's a good way to think about it. It's not quite that simple. But that's a really good way to think about it. And so if you draw the connection there, aminos, amino acids, ultimately lead to muscle mass development. So you need to consume dietary protein, which eventually turn into amino acids. I'm going to talk about how in a minute. And those aminos they stimulate protein synthesis at a cellular level and synthesize muscle mass as a result of repairing micro tears in your muscle fibers. So, uh, so let's dive deeper, okay? And I'm going to walk you through the entire process of eating a piece of food that contains protein. So you're going to start, right? Let's just pretend we're starting with a serving of chicken, okay? And that chicken has 25 grams of protein. And when you consume that chicken, here's what happens. You, know, you chew it up, goes down into your stomach. The stomach acid immediately attacks it and denatures the proteins, the dietary protein in that food. And what that really looks like is it unfolds and unpacks it at a cellular level, like literally stretches it out. 
Um, and once it's unfolded or unpacked, your stomach, it has this really, really cool feature, I guess you call it, uh, where it releases digestive enzymes. And those digestive enzymes, they go to work on those proteins right away. Okay, And this process is awesome. This is where it takes the protein chains and it strips them down into smaller molecules. And those smaller molecules are called peptides. And this is like phase one of the breaking down of your dietary protein before it leaves your stomach. And uh, there is another phase that breaks it down even further. So right now they're into small groupings of, um, of various essentially amino acids. Um, these protein chains are, are broken down into small groupings, and those small groupings are called peptides. And this is the farthest extent that the protein is broken down in the stomach. So at this point, everything is broken down as, as far as it's going to go, and it gets passed on to your small intestine. Okay, Once it's in your small intestine, this is really cool. It's uh, First of all, it's covered in stomach acid, so it's very acidic, and your body recognizes that. So to prevent any, any burning or, or any damage, your pancreas actually is uh, the the uh, contributor here uh, supplies a, a bicarbonate buffer, which is essentially just like a fluid that neutralizes everything that's coming into your your small intestine, so that it doesn't get uh, burned or damaged by the stomach acid. Um, and then once your these broken down proteins enter your small intestine. Uh, and the that bicarbonate buffer is in there and in place. Your pancreas also uh, begin. It kicks off a process where your small intestine releases additional digestive enzymes. So not only do they get broken down in phase one in your stomach, but now that they're in your lower intestine and everything's moving along, there's more digestive enzymes that are released, and they go to work even further on those proteins. Okay. And, uh, and this is cool. So this takes those protein peptides that are already broken down and it strips them down even further. This is phase two. And it, uh, it actually breaks them down so small into such uh, like a micro level in comparison that it begins to snip off the amino acids one by one. Okay, so you have literally individual amino acids being cut off of these protein chains, which is really cool. And this is where the aminos essentially go from uh, like existing as little clusters and little peptide groupings into individuals that can be transported at a cellular level out into your bloodstream and ultimately get ported through your cells into other parts of your body. So if you have a muscle that's damaged, your immune system recognizes that and it's going to flood uh, that area with any available amino acids. So the more I guess the abundance, there is a diminishing return on this, by the way, but if you have an abundance of amino acids available, they will be sent as like the repair team to that muscle group to help put it back together. So when you work out, I mean, so again, actually before I move on, so that's the extent of what happens to dietary protein, right? It's broken down, assuming that you ate uh, a reasonable amount and not like 400 grams in one sitting, because that would ultimately get converted other ways. But if you um, if you ate a reasonable amount, this is the point where your dietary protein is now no longer dietary protein, but it has now been broken down into amino acids and is being released into your body. Okay, um, so that's the end of that process. Now I'm going to step back again. 
when you work out, let's say you worked out before you consume this meal, you work out, uh, when you lift weights, right, you stretch your muscles, you force them to contract, I know we've talked about this before, you force them to contract to the point where they tear, okay, now your central nervous system does a really good job of making sure we don't stretch them too far, and that our contraction, uh, the muscle contraction isn't so great that it damages us permanently, but when you lift a weight, you are stressing that muscle to the point where it does tear. These little, these little micro tears um, are the reason that our muscle grows, and I'm going to explain how that happens. But um, again, when you lift weights, you tear the muscle fiber, and these are micro, like little micro tears. Micro trauma is another term for it. And as soon as this happens, this triggers the immune system to begin that repair process. So those amino acids now are used to stitch together those micro tears, okay? But this repair is done by the aminos in conjunction with, and I'm going to throw out some some biological terms here that, and this is what I wanted to avoid, but it has to be said. Um, those aminos work in conjunction with new myofibrils, okay? These are basically little bundles of protein filaments, and this is cellular level stuff here. So this is no longer like, when I say protein, it's not like a dietary gram of protein. These are little cellular protein filaments, right? Bundles of them. And these are created through protein synthesis, which is another thing I'll talk about in a second. And this is, again, I just want to put an emphasis on this. This is not the same protein that you consume when you ate that chicken, okay? That protein that you ate, those grams of dietary protein that you ate when you ate that chicken, those become amino acids in your bloodstream. Um, Cellular proteins are different. Those are things that make up muscle mass, and those are things that your body uh, creates through protein synthesis, which is a cellular level event. It's different. And um, anyway, I just want to make that clear. So when this happens... Right. This is this is a, a situation where you're creating skeletal muscle proteins at the cellular level. Right. I just can't be clear enough about that. Uh, and these uh, cellular skeletal muscle proteins that you make up, these are going to make up those myofibrils that I talked that are going talked about that are going to be used to synthesize new muscle. Okay. So in layman's terms. I knew I threw I know I threw out a lot there in layman's terms the amino acids created by you consuming dietary protein has now allowed protein synthesis to occur at a high level to stitch together the micro trauma and micro tears that you created in your muscle fibers by lifting weights okay so you created those micro tears you ate some protein that protein became amino acids those amino acids are allowing a high, a highly efficient protein synthesis to occur in order to repair those micro tears and that micro trauma in your muscle fibers. And the best thing about this whole process is that your body is so good at repairing itself, right? In general, if you're healthy and you're consuming the right food and everything, your body does such a good job at repairing itself that it actually makes those muscles better than they were before. It makes them stronger, makes them bigger, and it makes them more resilient. So when your body repairs itself, your muscles grow. Now, they might grow nanometers at a time. They may grow millimeters at a time, but they grow. And that's why we get bigger when we lift weights and eat properly. Okay, that's 
in general how it works. Uh, there are other variables, of course, but that's in general how it works. You lift weights, you do, uh, I don't know, let's just say you do a lot of bench pressing, right? Well, you're going to tear your muscle fibers all across your chest and your delts and your triceps and your, you know, basically your whole upper body, at least a little bit. And when you consume protein, dietary protein after that, that is going to stimulate protein synthesis and it's going to repair all that and all that is going to grow. And that's the best part. Now, because you lifted weights and went through this process and your chest has rebuilt itself bigger, stronger, that allows you to continue progressive overloading yourself at the gym, progressive overloading your muscle groups in the gym. And again, week after week after week, you may only grow nanometers, micrometers, millimeters at most. I mean, even that's dramatic. It's usually nanometers and like micrometers. Um, but you're growing a little bit and you're becoming that much stronger every single week. Okay. And as long as you continue a progressive overload approach over and over and over again, even a little bit, you will continue to stimulate growth and development and strength over time. If you do not, and hopefully this makes sense, if you do not continue progressive overloading, then your muscles don't tear the same way anymore. They might still get sore because they have a couple of little tears, right? And they might be rebuilt and, you know, you might still feel, quote unquote, a little soreness, but it's not the same. And eventually you're going to experience atrophy and almost like a, a deconstruction of muscle in a way. Um, but as long as you continue some level of progressive overloading those muscles, continually challenging yourself, continually making those muscles work harder and challenging them in ways that they don't experience every single week. So they always, you know, basically keeping your body guessing as long as you're doing that, you are going to continue to uh, impart or impose that that micro trauma on your muscle groups over and over and over and over and over again. So as you consume dietary protein and all your other macronutrients for that matter, but as you consume dietary protein, you're going to continue to rebuild those muscles week after week after week after week, nanometer after nanometer after micrometer after micrometer of development and growth, and you're going to get stronger. And of course, you're going to get bigger. Now, because you're growing in nanometers and micrometers and millimeters, that, I hope, helps you understand that it's impossible, basically, to go from your average Joe Schmo, dad bod, mom bod, to, like, weird steroid-looking bodybuilder overnight. Because some people think that if they lift weights, especially women, they think that if they lift weights, they're going to look like a huge, bulking man overnight. And let's just throw out those terms again, you're growing nanometers and micrometers at a time. So you might grow literally one nanometer or four nanometers in muscle growth per week. And to give that some context, if you don't know what a nanometer is, it's a decimal and then it's eight zeros and then it's one na uh, meter, right? So it's one times 10 to the negative ninth meters and micrometers is one times 10 to the minus sixth. Okay. It's very, very, very small. That's the punchline. Very, very, very small. Uh, millimeters 
I mean, I think most people know what that is, but that's one times 10 to the minus three. So it's 0.001 meters, right? That's how much you're growing when you lift weights and then you eat the right food. Okay. That's how much you're developing. It's very little. Anyway, I can't say that enough because I, it drives me crazy when people, and, and honestly, this is mostly women. It's just the facts. They think that if they lift weights, that they're going to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger overnight. And it's just, I, I don't know. I, I can't tell, actually, if that is their way of being lazy or if they legitimately believe it. But either way, I've been in this world for about 11 years and nothing changes. Uh, the same argument is made from women towards me when I talk to them about fitness for the first time and weightlifting for the first time. But anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that. That is not the point of this podcast. Um, so you might be wondering, why should I ingest dietary protein at all when I could just drink uh, like BCAAs, right? Because when I ingest protein, it just becomes amino acids in my body. And those amino acids go to work on my muscles and protein synthesis happens at a muscle, at a cellular level to repair that muscle. So ultimately, all I'm really doing is I'm consuming protein for the sole purpose of getting amino acids into my body. So why should I even take protein? And why can't I just drink amino acids all day, every day, or something like that? And it's a good question. It's a great question. Um, even if you weren't asking it, you may, if I didn't address it, you may have asked it down the road. And uh, I've asked that question in the past because it makes sense to me. It's like, all I really need is the aminos. So why bother with the dietary protein. Well, here's the thing. Um, when you take in a, a dietary protein source, like whey or chicken or steak or eggs or anything that has dietary protein in its full up configuration, it's called a complete protein, you're getting what are called essential amino acids. And there's nine of them. In the entire spectrum of amino acids, there's nine essential amino acids, and the body cannot create those essential amino acids, so you have to consume them. Now, if you buy a tub of branched chain amino acid powder or amino acid powder of any kind or amino acid pills, those are not going to contain the essential amino acids. Um, they just they only contain three, typically, sometimes four. Uh, but they never contain all nine essentials. And those are what you need in order to build muscle. So you have to consume something with dietary protein. And uh, it needs to be a macronutrient that you consume. So uh, the just, just to throw it out there, the, uh, the branch chain amino acids that you buy like from a, um, like a nutrition shop or something, uh, they usually only contain three things. Now these are essentials but they are not the complete package of essentials. And they are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And we're not going to talk about the specifics of each amino acid, but those are the three that you'll find when you take a, like a branched chain amino acid supplement, BCAAs or BCAAs, okay? But you need all nine in order to really uh, get protein synthesis moving. And those, when you, t when you eat eggs or something, or even soy, if you're a vegetarian or, um, you know, I don't know, like a whey protein or chicken or anything, fish, you're getting all nine of those with the, with that dietary protein, you're getting all nine. And what that list is, and I'll put this in the show notes too. Um, but those are 
One, histidine, which is abbreviated with a capital H. Uh, two, isoleucine, abbreviated with a capital I. Leucine, which is abbreviated with a capital L. Lysine, abbreviated with a capital K. Methionine, which is abbreviated with a capital M. Six, phenylalanine, which is abbreviated with a capital F. Number seven, threonine, which is abbreviated with a capital T. Um, eight, tryptophan, which is abbreviated with a capital W. And then lastly, valine, which is abbreviated with a capital V. So those are the nine essential amino acids. And a complete source of dietary protein will include all nine of those. Now, there are some dietary protein sources out there that do not include all nine of these. And um, some examples of this, actually, uh, are like nuts, grain, seeds, legumes, like peanuts, and vegetables. You know, there's protein in all those things, but they're typically incomplete sources. And then just to throw a note out there on that, that is one of the reasons why vegetarian bodybuilders have so much trouble putting on muscle mass and growing muscle. Um and getting stronger. And there are sources out there, but if you just eat peanut butter and almond butter, just remember you're not getting a complete uh, protein source, a complete dietary protein source. You're getting an incomplete source. So what that means is you don't contain all, those foods don't contain all nine essential amino acids. So when they break down in your stomach and in your lower intestine, or I mean your small intestine, and they get dispersed out into your bloodstream, you're not getting the complete package, right? You're getting a subset here and there. And it depends on the food. Like not every nut and grain and seed and legume and vegetable is the same. So you may you might miss um, phenylalanine or tryptophan or lysine or something like that. Like you're going to be missing one. It's an incomplete package. Um, so, you know, that's there's books written on just that concept alone. So I'm not going to really spend a whole lot of time on it. But um, you know, just to, I don't know, I guess elaborate a little bit. Most people don't know the difference, all right? They don't know the difference. And, and I understand that because I didn't know the difference for the longest time either. Uh, most people don't know the difference between a gram of protein in chicken and a gram of protein in, uh, like peanut butter, like I said, right? Like I mentioned earlier, peanut butter, um, or, you know, there's technically peanut, uh, protein in, in vegetables. You eat a lot of vegetables. There's, there's amounts of protein scattered in, in most vegetables, and that's why, I mean, I'm, you know, like think, take a vegetarian animal. That's why they actually have mass at all. You know, some of the biggest dinosaurs supposedly were vegetarian dinosaurs. Um, you know, like gorillas. I think gorillas are vegetarians, right? That's why they're able to be big and strong is because they continuously eat over and over again. And they put on muscle because they're eating protein sources. And their body breaks it down similar to how humans break it down. So... You know, there is protein sources in all these things, but I do just I just want it to be clear to everybody who's listening that your vegetarian or vegan diet likely doesn't have as many complete protein sources as like a meat eater or someone who is not a vegan and not a vegetarian, like someone who eats eggs and drinks milk and stuff like that, um, cheese. You know, those are going to have more complete protein or even whey, like a scoop of whey protein far outweighs most, not all, not all, but most plant based protein powders. Again, not all, but most um, the completeness of of a scoop of that is, um, well, it provides more amino acid 
production and muscle building production efficiency than plant-based protein powders. Um, so I, uh, I'm going to use this opportunity to wrap up. I think it was pretty clear. I think I covered just about everything that I wanted to cover. Um, you have to eat your protein and if possible, that protein should be a complete source or most of the protein you consume should come from, from complete sources. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not a vegan and you're not a vegetarian, then eating meat is a good idea from a protein consumption standpoint. Um, whey protein is also a really good source. And if you're not familiar with whey protein, that's your typical protein powder that you can buy at a nutrition shop or, or even online. But those, just so everyone knows, pro, those whey proteins are, they are derived from cheese. It's a byproduct of the cheese manufacturing industry. So, um, you know, obviously if you're a vegan, you're not going to be eating whey protein. But, um, with that being said, I do want to reiterate also that that one gram of protein per pound of body weight rule of thumb that I mentioned earlier, you know, it's kind of like the average accepted value. That is a great starting point. And I guarantee that if you follow that, at least to start with that, you will see success. Now you may have to scale it up, scale it down, right? But in general, most people actually do really, really, really well with that. They see a lot of success and a lot of results from sticking to that number. Um, and again, I've mentioned this before too, you know, muscle mass is a function of strength and strength is a function of muscle. So all of that is, it's fostered and, and continue to be built upon by your dietary protein consumption. So if you lift a lot of weight, you will um, utilize that protein to repair those muscles and make them both stronger and bigger. So hopefully you see the connection there as your muscles experience protein synthesis or as your body experiences protein synthesis and repairs those muscles, it repairs them both stronger and bigger. Um, now they become more dense as well. So muscle density is another thing, but the, all of those things play together. All right. It's very, very, very unlikely uh, almost in like the most rare circumstances, people build big muscles without strength. It doesn't really happen. Um, I, I'd say it's more common to see the opposite. People build really dense and strong muscles and not necessarily big. And that is the result of them probably under eating protein and, uh, and carbs as well. But, you know, that size comes from the repair and that strength comes from the repair. So the more you stress them, the more you progressively overload them in a controlled way, the more they're going to repair bigger, stronger, and more dense. So uh, it's extremely important. I can't stress it enough. And if you're not sure what you've been taking in, then I would always recommend that you start to write down what you eat and be as specific as possible. So if you have a scale, and I recommend everybody should have a scale, they're like, I don't know, eight bucks on Amazon or something, uh, a food scale, Weigh your food as often as possible. Weigh the banana before you eat it. Weigh that chicken before you eat it. Weigh your uh, well, any meat. Weigh your egg whites before you eat it. If you use liquid egg whites or egg beaters, weigh that cheese before you eat it. Just get a feel for exactly how many ounces or grams you're actually consuming. And then you can go ahead and start tracking it a little bit. And it might sound like a lot, but it's really just a couple of minutes a day. Like literally two, three minutes a day 
to track your food, to get a good feel for how much you're taking in. Because sometimes you might think you're taking in 180 grams of protein, but you're really only taking in like 70 or 90. And sometimes you might think you're only taking in 150 grams of carbs, but you're really taking in 400. And it's, it's not until you have the data in front of you that you captured by weighing your food and measuring it out that you really understand what's going on. You don't need to do it forever either. But, um, you know, if I was your trainer and I was your coach, I would almost make you, I would, you know, that's, that's like part of the, the gig, but, uh, and a lot of coaches are like that by the way, but at least for a little while for you to gain some understanding of just how much you're consuming, because it adds up faster than you think. And some stuff doesn't add up as fast as you think. And it doesn't matter how often I say it here or what meal plan is provided to you until you actually go through that process. You'll never truly understand it. So definitely recommend doing that. Get a feel for just what you're taking in for your macros, especially your protein, because chances are you're under eating on protein like most people are. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to avoid that. So uh, with that, guys, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Listen, uh, I feel like this one was huge value. I really do. I think most people don't understand protein. They don't understand what happens to protein in the body and why it's so important. So I feel like this was a huge one. I do uh, ask you to please share this with somebody in your life that also doesn't fully understand it, that should really, really get to that point where they do and they would benefit from this. So please share this with somebody you know, uh, a like-minded friend or someone who's interested in fitness. And um, if you haven't already, and you've gotten any value out of this podcast series at all, go ahead and subscribe, uh, preferably on iTunes, and leave me a rating and review. All that should take less than a minute. I would really, really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And uh, with that, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, Stay tuned, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much again. See you.